Welcome to the first installment of the Educated Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Paul Latibodere Jr., sitting here with my co-host. Well, not sitting next to, but my co-host across the country, Emilio Porter. Emilio, it's the first episode. What's going on, man? Oh, my goodness. It's electrifying. It's amazing. It's all those things in one. And I'm sitting across the country, so he, you got it half right. <laughs> you got it half right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And... I wanted to the reason why we called this this uh podcast No Excuses is because um we we have our, our first guest, her name is Robin Burkstresser. Uh she wrote a book called Specious. And basically that was kind of whole the whole theme throughout the interview was no excuses, just go out, whatever you want to start doing, just just start doing it. And it really just makes no sense on why you haven't started doing your passions. Yeah, plus it always helps out when your first episode is named hashtag no excuses. You're like, what does that even mean? I'll tell you what it means. It's a challenge. No excuses. None. Nada. So, That's how I felt about, you know, Russell Wilson not handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch and I see a bowl. There's no excuse. <laughs> Dang, yeah, man. That's, that's a whole other podcast, man. We can't I know. That I, I know. I'm not even a Seattle fan like that and I'm still hurt. So that's how much of a no excuse judgment call that was but like you said that's that's neither here or there that's neither exactly. here or there another interesting tidbit that uh we kind of talked about was i i didn't know hermione was black could, could you explain that to me man I, I didn't know she was black i thought i thought you know seeing the movies that she was just white so hey, explain that to me what, what 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 happened with that yeah so um one of the big things that jk Rowling actually does in her novels is when she writes them she doesn't really talk about skin color or race it's no um stereotypical oh he must be black or white or whatever so pretty much what happens is in, in the eighth installment of harry potter is going to be a play the character the, the woman that plays hermione is a african-american woman and people were upset because basically because of the movies they have emma watson in their mind as hermione emma watson's hermione emma watson's hermione so you go to the live action play and hermione's not played by african-american movie people lost their minds they were like, oh, my gosh, what, what's going on? What, what, what's next? Why? So, so the main thing that the takeaway is when they asked J.K. Rowling, she said that um, the person they selected was an amazing person for the part because she could act and display Hermione's characteristics very well. And J.K. Rowling is quoted as saying, you know, when she made Hermione, she did not have a white or black or Asian you know, person of mind. She just had a character and their attributes. So J.K. Rowling's fine with it. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, that's, that's what counts the most. J.K. Rowling's fine with it. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, hey, you could be whatever you want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So basically, and and you'll hear, you know, as the, as the podcast goes along, our conversation with Robin, uh, I know my, my co-host has a affinity towards fiction novels and we kind of wanted to dive into a quick little topic before we let you listen in on the interview. His his he's read a, a number of books really quickly, uh, probably more than I. He's probably read more books in a week than I have in a lifetime. So I just kind of wanted to get your your opinion on on fiction novels and and how you kind of apply that to your your normal everyday life. Okay, yeah. Um, honestly, fiction novels. The best thing about them is there's no ceiling. And when I say there's no ceiling, I mean there's no rules that you have to really adhere to. Of course, you have, you know, the normal, normal style rules where if you're dealing with humans, they can't be like 
tentacles and monsters and stuff like that. But you can just make your imagination grow leap and bounce. And with nonfiction, you're telling a true story. So you're bound by true events. With fiction, you can kind of make your own world and tailor it how you want to. So a lot of things that authors will do is when they make their fiction novel, they'll write a world where, you know, maybe it's way worse than what we're living in now, or maybe it's way better, but they're able to kind of influence and direct their personality onto their stories. And that's what, to me, I really love about fiction is because if you have to take a world you made up and explain to other people, it really is going to show you their personality and what they're thinking of. Obviously, the person who wrote Hunger Games, there's, there's, there's a little darkness to them. You know, that book is, a, is a basically about all these communities, districts, are all fighting and having their young killed just to appease one ruler in charge. So there's a little darkness to that. Whereas Harry Potter, you're learning about a, a wizard trying to become a man for the most part. And while there is some darkness to it, most of it is very light and levity. So you're able to kind of see a writer's personality through the fictional world that they create. But the way I apply fiction to real life is it just keeps my mind stimulated. I I can't be stimulated by nonfiction as much because I just know the ceiling. But with fiction, you really don't know where someone's going to go next. You could be underwater in a sea, a sea kingdom on one page, next page, you're back in New York, Manhattan. So I always just like the randomness. And I also like how much ability and imagination it takes to really engross someone. Because if you can engross someone in your fictional world, you've really kind of set the tone because now they're thinking, wow, this feels so real. This feels like somewhere I can see myself being. And once you have that to the stars and the moons, you know, you have everything you kind of need right there to make sure people read your book. Yeah, good point. And it's pretty much similar to movies, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. kind of takes your mind to another level. And especially, yeah. you know, I'm sure you get engulfed when you're reading and probably not even want to put the book down until it's oh, yeah. wee hours in the morning. Best so. feeling. That's feeling. That's crazy. See, I, I don't really have that similar experience because I'm more into the nonfiction. Um, mm. But I think our guest, though, she made me really want to, you know, start indulging in some some fiction novels. Maybe start stimulating my mind in different ways. I think it's a really fabulous interview for anybody who's even thinking about writing a book or just anybody who's interested in the concept of learning about how to write a novel or. If they're stuck in, if they're stuck writing one, uh, just to keep going and to keep trying to explore that goal and explore that dream. Uh, Robin does a great job at, at explaining, you know, what her thoughts and her trials and tribulations were to becoming an, a writer. And she's she's about to hit book number three, right? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, she's about to hit book number three. Um, she has the second one submitted to her editor already. So um, she was saying that she wants that one to come out by the end of the year. But to kind of backtrack on what you were saying, I think the best thing about the Robin interview is she's very, very down to earth and human. She does not at all take the fact that she has a book series coming out as like a way of I'm superior to everyone else because she's very, you know, and Paul can attest to it just nice to talk to down to earth she gets it she understands it's hard but you know hashtag no excuses you got to get it done you got to get it done. yeah and i did you see some of her like getting to talk to her during the interview did you see some of her personality kind of come out and then relate it back to the book that you read and you're like oh this kind of makes sense now talking to the author 
Oh yeah, a, a lot of it. And she, um, during the interview, when she talks about the book, she kind of breaks down what she was thinking of when she was writing some sections. Of course, without spoilers, but you know, as someone that read the book, I can be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So, yeah, you you you, you really can't hide your personality in your work. You 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 have to really go in there and express yourself through your words. And that's how all the best novels are made. You know, you you have to put a piece of your soul into that novel. That would really gets people to want to read and interact with your book long after they close that final page gotcha well i think that's enough talking from us i think we're just gonna you know take it over to robin and have her explain to us what it takes to be an author in our world in our generation all right we're here today with our guest robin burkstresser who wrote the book specious and I'm, I'm excited, man. This is our first guest. Uh, Emilio, how you feeling? We got our first guest. I didn't think we'd be doing this, but we're actually doing this. It's exciting. This is beyond exciting. We got our first guest. She's an author. She is, among many things, just a very interesting individual. It's actually a very unique backstory for her and me. She actually interviewed me for a job. I never got the job, but I did gain an offer from <laughs> a friend who writes books. So you know what? I think I went out in the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was my first, the first person I interviewed when uh, when I first started recruiting. So it's funny how things work out. Small world. Definitely. Well, I mean, he wasn't good enough to get the job, but at least he's good enough to get you on the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Is, is now a good time to finally share that feedback? Why? Or do you want to do that offline? We can do it offline. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it in like little numerical pages, maybe just one bullet point. <laughs> that sounds crazy. good. You, you, you never want to grow as a person, so we'll just keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Robin, I just wanted to jump in and uh, first question. I just wanted you to kind of well, not really a question, but maybe kind of explain to the readers what your what your book is about and what they have to look forward to. Yeah, so just uh, you know, the good old keep it simple, stupid thing, just. It's a good, so that's really all you need to know about it. You know, just go get it. <laughs> no, um, so basically, uh, it's it's about this point in society where everybody's been genetically planned. So obviously, there's going to be you know certain characteristics that I have deemed quote more important, and then they're passed down, and also you know there are diseases that they've just completely eradicated from the gene pool. So the the main character, he's actually unplanned in this society, so he's never really you know, fit in. He's never really understood his true place. But then all of a sudden there's this infection that starts to spread through the society and it just completely tears it down. It's actually about what happens after and that rebuilding, if you will, that all that potentially might eventually happen. Keep reading uh, through the end of the series to find out. <laughs> yes. And I, I, as a person who read the book, I can attest that it is actually a phenomenal series. And I am very proud to say that I know the person that wrote it. But I like that answer a lot, which leads me into my question for you. Since you already explained how there's unplanned and planned in the, in the characters in the book, I want you to kind of just give us a little bit on what influences and inspires the characters in your world. It's, it's kind of funny because when I'm writing it's you know sometimes people ask me like oh how do you write what's the process there and the simple answer is I just I just do it so I almost like get in this phase where it's like I'm not necessarily unconscious obviously because I'm getting stuff done but I just get in this different state where I don't necessarily always realize 
kind of what's going on or where the story's coming from. So it's really interesting to sit back when the story starts to get together and almost every character, a lot of the plot points, I mean, I can see segments of my life or my experience that I've, you know, manipulated, twisted, tried to make it into a better story. But it's, I didn't expect, I should say, how much of my own life came through, which just makes it almost more, you know, personal. And I think when I started writing the book too, or the sequel rather, and I was really getting through it and getting in the process, I was even more terrified than ever of how am I going to share this with people? Because it realizing how personal the stories almost got, even though granted, I mean, I twisted it. Obviously, I'm not in that society and I'm a girl instead of my character is a guy. But it's I mean, it's parts of my life. I mean, the, one of the biggest themes going out is, you know, his the competition almost between him and his older brother, who he's grown up, you know, feeling that he's perfect and can never live up to it. And I mean, of course, to be totally clear, I have a wonderful relationship with my brother, but I can re- I can relate to that almost because growing up, I did feel like I was in, in his shadow. And so um, granted, never that far. Just to be very clear, my, Dominic is not based off of my brother, <laughs> but um, it's just there's a lot of segments in my life. I mean, even if you get towards, uh, you know, the you know grandparents at the lake. And just, you know, Elliot's kind of fascination and always wanting to be there. I mean, that's what it was like for me growing up. So there's some parts that definitely translate. Others don't. Like, for example, Elliot kind of has a non-relationship almost with his father. And my dad's always been a really good uh, influence and you know support system for me. But it just kind of flows out, which isn't a very uh, concise answer for you. But there you have it. I think that was a great answer. I was expecting you just to say a whole lot of wine. Yeah, I was so. I was about to say, the wine helps, doesn't it? <laughs> the wine helps. Well, I'll be honest. When you said that, I almost laughed and spit up the wine I'm currently drinking. <laughs> See, the wine never leaves. That's the secret of being a good offer. Always have wine. With yes. You. Um, I went to the doctor recently, and he was like, hey, Robin, you know, you're drinking too much beer. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to go back and be like, I stopped drinking beer as much. So now I'm drinking a lot of wine, so we're good, right? <laughs> that's what they call a trooper right there. Hey, the doctor wasn't specific, so that's on that's on the doctor for not, you know, giving you the right or wrong direction. Exactly. And you look online and it's like, oh hey, you know, you drink a glass of red wine at night, like it's really good for your health. They don't specify how big the glass is supposed to be. So I'm more about, you know, following the spirit of the rules. <laughs> I don't want to be constricted. To any, you know, black and white um, laws <laughs> or suggestions. Everything's better in volumes, as they say. <laughs> For our listeners, uh, <laughs> we had, we were having a conversation offline where, you know, Robin was kind of coming on and she was like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. You know, I, I have my bottle of wine with me. So, you know, if I kind of pass out while we're on the on the radio, you guys will know uh, yeah, what, just, what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's uh, good to be up front, you know. <laughs> That's always a good warning to have coming onto the podcast. Like, by the way, guys, there might be a point where I'm I'm, I'm mentally clocked out, but don't worry. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> it's fair. I had a pretty long uh, week at work. Actually, I was out in the traveling and doing some training, which is really great. You know, definitely um, not to be cheesy, but I feel like I definitely grew professionally there. But it's it's been a long week. I haven't got much sleep, so I you know came in from a long day of work, and I was like, ah, Robin needs some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that you got to talk to us guys on this podcast. 
Yeah, and I'm like, oh, y'all are actually an hour ahead, not an hour behind. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, we've been sitting here. Where's Where's Robin at? Huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's cool. Um, I actually wanted to know when was the first time that you realized that you had a very vivid imagination to write books. Well, I'm gonna answer your question in two parts. Okay. Split that question up. So, when was the first time I realized I had a vivid imagination? That would have to be the fact that I was always lying, making up stories to get out of trouble when I was little. Um, I could come up with anything kind of on the fly whenever I got into kind of some ruckus growing up. So I just start lying, start talking and see where it took me. Most of the time it went kind of well. But in terms of writing and having an imagination for a book, I, it was honestly, it wasn't something I ever imagined I had. I, I was never the type of person who growing up when I was, I was like, one day I'm going to write a book. One day I'm going to be an author. That just, I mean, I wish I could tell you that's the case, but it just wasn't. There was, um, there was one teacher I had in fourth grade who I remember she strongly encouraged me to write. And so I would go home, I'd write stories, try and see how many pages I can come up with. And then I'd go share it with her and she'd give feedback and she just really encouraged that. But from that point on, Writing, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, it became a chore and it became something that I had to do for school. You know, I had to write these essays. I had to do these assignments so I could do something else. And it was like that, you know, through high school, um, honestly, into college. I, uh, I'm i very scientific, so I majored in a political science and international studies. So okay. um, a bit of a soft major, but definitely included a lot of writing essays and writing papers. So it just kind of continued that pattern of something I had to do. And then it was actually in a philosophy class one day. I was sitting there and it was one of those participation classes where you had to you know, talk and for a certain amount of time. So you get all that credit. But I never wanted to be that person who spoke too much. So I kind of monitor myself and get my talking in early and then just kind of chillax for the rest of the class. So I'd already done what I felt was a fair amount of talking. So I sat back and started just kind of daydreaming. And the topic that we were actually talking about was genetic planning. And, you know, people were debating the pros and cons. And it got to a very obviously kind of religious side of it and then scientific spot. And I kind of just sat back and I was like, well, what if that actually did happen? And then I took a step further and I was like, what if they did X? And then why happened, which don't mean to be too generic, but that's like a major spoiler for how the end of the book ends. But you know what I'm talking about, Emilio, just kept going and kept going. And I remember I went that night and I had Mm -hmm. a, I went to this, this like fast food burger joint called Freddy's with one of my really good friends, Emily. And I was like, Hey, what if this happened? And she was like, yeah, that would be such a good, you know, story. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll write a book, you know, LOL, haha, as if. Um, and so then the story just kind of kept eating at me and kept eating at me. So I just started to think more about it. And the more I thought about the actual story, I even realized at that point, this isn't just one book. You know, this is going to end up being way bigger than I can contain in that, the story and everything going on. And so I kind of sat there and I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen with book one. This is how book two is going to end. And I actually ended up combining book two and book one when we kind of got later and then this is how the story is ending and I actually wrote that ending 
um, fairly recently. And it was way cool because I was like, it was just, you know, all that long ago and I finally got to write that. But anyway, kind of digressing oh, wow. there. And so even though that idea was in my head, I was like, hey, you know, I don't have time. I'm writing all these papers for classes. Um, so it wasn't something that I could really creatively enjoy at that point because it was still school, structure, structure, structure. And so let's see, it was my junior year, that winter break, I wrote the first 15,000 words. And looking back on it now, those 15,000 words were dreadful. <laughs> it was it was bad, but it got the first point and actually to, um, you know, Amelia, that section when Jess and Elliot are there and they're, those lights are coming towards them. Yes. And it's like, hey, you know, they say like when you're about to die, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And then it's like, I don't agree with that. You know, and it's kind of talking. But anyway, so that section, I wrote up to that point. Granted, I expanded like four times on it and probably changed almost every single word. But I got the story to that point and then I got back to school and then life just happens. And personally, just being honest, I was at a dark place for a while. I just wasn't in any sort of mood to really start. And then it wasn't until I graduated and honestly started recruiting and getting to that point where I was like, you know what? This story never let go. I have to write it. And it transitioned between coming something that I wanted to do and something that I needed to do. And I had to get that story out. And so I just started writing. I didn't really have any idea of where it would take me or what it was going to be, if I was ever going to share it or anything like that. But I just, I would get home every day from work and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to write for an hour, one hour a night. And that was just my goal. And then I kept getting farther and farther along to the story, started getting less and less sleep and it, it, it finished. And I got to tell you, it was absolutely incredible when I finished my first draft of my first book, but I was very naive at how much more work I still had to do. That's, that's, a, that's crazy. Oof. That was a mouthful, but. <laughs> that was, a, that was, that was insightful. And a lot of just redemption in that, in that <laughs> right there. You know, I, I like how you said you, you you got to a dark place and you stopped. But just living life and, you know, going to your full-time job, it made you want to motivate yourself and do more. I also wanted to say earlier, you, you said your vivid imagination kind of began <laughs> when you were younger and you started lying. I was, I was a little known fact, don't trust Robins. Always been a mischievous <laughs> name ever since yes. Robin Hood. Robin That's Hood, very Batman true. and Robin. Like, Batman and Robin. It works out. Kind of in the middle, though. Like, you, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Um, I, I definitely think a question I want to ask just as a, as a reader and, you know, answered in like the most least spoily ways you can. But in your novel, yes. you really aren't afraid to kill off your characters. <laughs> and as a new author, that's kind of like a, a taboo that most people don't do. So what, what kind of inspired your direction of mindset mindset to do that rather than play it safe i mean honestly it was never really anything that crossed my mind that's just how the story was and where it was going in fact uh, i actually was talking with somebody who's not necessarily like my friend but kind of like a friend of a friend and she was like oh yeah i read it and i was like what'd you think and she was just like uh i don't really like how you killed too many people <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay you need to go read Mickey Mouse or something. Let's get to the real world. <laughs> yeah. People get, a, people get attached to characters. 
Yeah, I say real world and I'm talking about fiction. So, you know, take it as <laughs> well. <laughs> no. Uh... Um, I mean, I honestly, I'm being totally frank. I did create one character because I specifically wanted to kill them. And it was important to the story and to add other dynamics of other characters. Um, but that there was only one character that I created, so that would happen. And it's just, I mean, realistically, if you look at what happens, realistically, once again, talking about fiction, but if you look at what happens and like, hey, if this did, there would be death mm-hmm. and that would happen. And, you know, I, I, I wish I knew who the quote was, but somebody shared like a writing quote or something once and I read it and it was something like, you know, you have to make bad things happen to your main characters. You know, that's the only way they're going to grow. That's the only way it's going to happen. And this isn't a happy-go-lucky story. I mean, one day I want to do that because I'll tell you, it's tough and challenging sometimes writing about this. The way I leave, you know, one character at the end of, you know, book one, this character is traumatized and in a very dark place. And so I started writing, you know, the sequel and the second one. And it just, I couldn't write that much in long periods of time because it was just, mentally draining to have to go to that spot where this character would be. And so it's a, I mean, it's a theme that goes all through the rest of the series. Everything has to go on, but I actually, I, um, (laughs) I wrote the ending of the third book. So I'm currently just, you know, in the stage, my second book is in the editing process. And then the third and final book of this, uh, this series, I'm currently writing and, so I've finished, I've written the end. I will figure out the beginning, the middle later. But, <laughs> Are you going to spoil it for yourself? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and I felt like a complete asshole for what I made happen. And I wanted to change it because even though it's fiction, you know, I get attached to these characters to write about them. I'm in their heads. I'm having to just dive through it. And I almost wanted to honestly kind of cheapen the story and uh, protect you know, a character or characters, but it's how it was always going to end and how it was always going to happen. And it, it's really cool finally writing it, but then it's just, ugh. I'm just going to go ahead and apologize in mm-hmm. advance for how the <laughs> series ends and specifically the last sentence. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's something to look forward to. Exactly. So, yeah, by the book, it's going to be really good. You'll leave really happy. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha um no this is this is this is definitely interesting stuff and um i'm glad this whole the whole writing thing is is working out for you um do you see yourself going going further into other books or is this kind of like a hobby you picked up you know something you did for a little bit and then you're gonna end it what do you what do you think you're, you see yourself doing i would be very disappointed in myself if this isn't something that continues just throughout my life. I I mean, this series is definitely my priority. I'm excited, but a little nervous to finish it just because this is kind of where I've been and what's going on. It's going to be pretty difficult to uh, say goodbye to these characters. It was such a silly thing to say because they're, you know, totally made up in my head. So it makes me seem a little bit crazy, but I, I have very vivid dreams and I wake up when I have something and I have a note tab in my phone full of, I don't even know how many ideas, but some of them are more promising than others. But there's 
three or four right now that I'm toying with on what the next idea is going to be. I definitely think I want this next project to be more of a uh, just kind of one and done. I don't want to get started on a series so completely after this, but at some point in my life, you know, kind of going back to the idea of, hey, well, everything kind of funnels through some life experience that I have. Um, I want mm-hmm. to write a really funny book. It would be totally different from, you know, the species series and everything that's going on. So it's like, you know, my readers are going to be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'll have no targeted audience, but I'll be happy at least. But I want to <laughs> <laughs> a book that people just laugh at. I remember when I was in eighth grade, my mom had me start to read the Janet Ivanovich books, you know, one for the money, two for the dough, um, and going forward. And I remember at certain points, I was just laughing out loud reading it. And I really want to do that one day. I, th- I think I could be pretty good at it, you know, patting my own shoulder. But I do need more <laughs> life experience before I do that. What do you mean by that as far as just uh... – Anything like like a, anything to kind of drive your comedy, or what do you mean by that? Just something different. I mean, it's depressing writing these books sometimes. Like this speech is here. Sometimes it's dark. Um, but I will tell you, ninety five percent of the ideas I have for future books, they're similar genres. So that's, I mean, realistically, that's going to be a genre that I'm going to stick with. More of that kind of science fiction, dystopian type area, but. I'll have a couple outliers there just uh, just for fun. <laughs> you see, what she has to do is she has to hang with us. That way she has like a whole new perspective to add on. She'll be like, oh, my gosh, hang with you guys. I just opened up my eyes to brand new things to write on. <laughs> exactly. I think like Jasmine and Aladdin. It's just a whole new world. We're going to make these <laughs> weekly calls, right? <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> We'll give you the advice on how to manage the the, the African-American characters. <laughs> like, you know, I don't really think he would do that. <laughs> just, just don't kill us. Just don't kill us. Yeah. Whatever you do. yeah. Don't make us that person. <laughs> yeah. No, but I never specify anything like that in my books. It's just like, why, you know, just do what you do, what you got to do. Vision what you vision. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is very, uh, when I read the book, I, I just kind of realized, like, yeah, she really doesn't specify. She doesn't really leave it to like, you know, oh, you can assume this person's this, which is pretty good. You know, uh, J.K. Rowling, she has the, like the cursed child, that musical or something going on. And there was like this big like mm-hmm. hoopla because, oh, my God, they made, you know, Hermione African-American. And they're like, oh, can you believe that? And then she was just like, I never specified she wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. and it was just stuff. like it was such a simple response and i was like yeah it's just whatever you're envisioning i mean i'm gonna add enough details to kind of get you in the general direction but i'm never gonna you know be like a um like a cop artist you know describing in such detail what their mugshot would look like for you <laughs> <laughs> that's honest <laughs> oh that was, okay yeah, please wow. hold i'm about to pour some more wine Hey, pour, pour what you want. Get, get, no, get I'm, not, I'm not peeing. That's the sound of the wine. I right, have we, don't really, we don't really know. Whatever, whatever you say, we, we'll, we'll go. Testing it out. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, I know. Got a little pot. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, as you're pouring the wine, um, I just wanted to ask, you know, we're going to we're gonna have, you know, people listening, hopefully. Uh, that's our goal, at least. Uh, to this podcast and hopefully oh. some of them we will have them we'll have them listening <laughs> don't say hopefully I'm <laughs> sure my dad will listen there you go <laughs> thank you appreciate that to the to the to Mr. and Mrs. 
Burke Stresser. <laughs> Amazing daughter. We just love Roban. <laughs> but I wanted to ask about, you know, people that are inspired inspired to write but maybe don't know where to start or, you know, people who have the dream of becoming an author. What kind of advice would you give them to to kind of get going with their career? You just have to write a little bit every night. Make that commitment. Um, when I first started writing the first book, it was, hey, one hour a day or one hour in the evening, I'm going to be in front of my computer with the goal of writing some. When I wrote the second book, it, it transitioned from amount of time spent to amount of words that I'd write. But you just have to have some sort of goal and hold yourself accountable to it. I know, I mean, it, writing a book is a huge process. There's way more steps and time that you're going to spend into it than you ever thought you would. You know, you write the first draft and it's one of the most amazing feelings. I don't even know what to compare it to. And I wish I could, but it's just, holy shit, I did this. What? (laughs) (laughs) But you write that first. And then there's so much more that goes on beyond it. But even getting to that first step, there's you have to commit yourself and put so much time into it. So I think people get overwhelmed by the amount that would actually have to go into. So don't, you know, don't look at the big picture, look at the small. Hey, you know, it, even if I write this in one year, if I write it in five years, you know, that's that five years from now, one year from now, six months from now, or like I'm going to have to do this third book. I think I have about three weeks before I have to send it to the editor and I need to write 60, 65,000 words. So more on that later. But whatever your goal is, that's intimidating. That's, oh, that's so far away. You know, we're so programmed for the instant gratification. But just what can you do today to support your goals? If you want to write, if that's something you've always thought, oh, maybe one day, make it today. What's what's going on tomorrow? You know, what's going on later? Why can't you do it today? Because every action that you're doing, pretty much you're saying, hey, I value this over what else I could be doing. You know, this is, I would rather watch Netflix for two hours than write. And what are you going to get more satisfaction about? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be too preachy because I'll tell you, I'm... There are some days when I'm like, okay, the new season of Wentworth just came on Netflix. I'm not doing anything. Orange is New Black just released their whole season. I love that The weekend's show. over. <laughs> but Pretty I mean, much. for the <laughs> most part, just hold yourself accountable and make it happen. You know, you're the excuse you're going to give for not doing it. You know, other people might listen, they might hear it, but you're going you're gonna to have to be the one that lives with it. So if you want to do it, just start it. And if you want to send anything over to me for feedback, um, I'd be happy to give that feedback to you. I've done it for other people. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but just make it happen and stop making excuses. All right, coach. Whew. Look, oh, man. Mike just burnt Mike. on that one. That was a lot of heat right there. <laughs> I love the call of action. And every, oh, man, yeah, you, you, it's like you you asked for that five dollar foot long and she gave you a twenty dollar buffet right there. <laughs> Is that insane? Or did you just wow. make that up? Yeah, he just made that was stuff. completely um, made up. You know, whatever comes to mind, it's not a real analogy, it just happens. <laughs> you know, but you understand where we're going with it. So that's all that's the only important thing. That's the only important thing. So mm-hmm. the novel. 
specious, how can the people get it and hear yeah, and experience so, that great book? Two very good points. Um, well, that was one question, but I'm about to make two good points. One, my name, Robin Berkstresser. That is very unique, common. You have no excuses for not finding me and connecting with me any way you want to. Two, Specious. There's not a lot of books named Specious. So just hop on Amazon. Everybody has ordered something from Amazon. Um, everyone that, their customer experience is phenomenal. But oh, go on Amazon, is. put Specious, put Robin Berkshire. Mm-hmm. You'll find me. If you want to do ebook, there you go. If you want to order a paperback, it's there for you. No excuses, right? That's a big thing we're doing. No excuses. No excuses. None. <laughs> That's Although, that's that's your motto. Right that's gonna be an episode title right there. So does that make it an excuse? <laughs> nope. Doesn't yeah, at all. Yeah, we yeah, just yeah. let the wine pour, oh, hold right? On, let me say it. <laughs> <laughs> toast, toast. Yeah, I should. We should have just made this a wine thing, man. I, I could have poured my glass. Mila could have poured his glass. We could have had a. Bro, you I don't get into own wine. any wine. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm I telling just you, I've been to a winery. That. Mind blown. Mind. Dude. Yes, <laughs> I couldn't stand wine. And then I was one credit hour short of my graduation. And they're like, yo, you need to schedule one more class. And I was like, okay, I only obviously want to do one credit hour because I don't have to spend more money. What are my options here? Talk it, talk it through with me. I could go jogging. I could do a swimming class. You know, I could do all those physical activities. Or you can do a wine tasting class. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, but... Let's go with that. So I like to think that I got my college degree, you know, my bachelor's off of my wine tasting class. But dude, like you just got to drink it. You know, no excuses. You got to get going. It's no excuses. You can feel really classy. You know, you can pretend like it's healthy. You're just more sophisticated. It is sophisticated. You know, I know that even technique where you kind of roll it around, make it swish a little. You know, there's oh, and it goes oh. with certain meals as well, like you know, red wine with your with your dark meat and things mm-hmm. like that. There's a whole thing to it. I'll tell you, I went to dinner the other night though, and I ordered mussels and I had a red wine because I'm a rebel. <laughs> you changing the game. <laughs> I've known yes. my co-host for too long. Never heard him talk about wine. Like I said, spirit of the rules. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad to know that wine tasting, just like riding a book, the thing is you just have to do it. No excuses. <laughs> no yes. excuses. So I'm going to check in with you. And I'll be like, hey, what's going on? And you're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm drinking wine. And I'll be I so proud of you. I hope I say it in that exact voice just to keep up with authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm, to be clear, that's not how you sound to me. But we can work on We can it. work on that. We can work yes. on that. Hey, what's up? Just drinking wine. <laughs> oh, so I know um, when it comes to writing, writing your book, you have a lot of ways to kind of get your motivation and, and stuff like that. Could you explain to us just what your, I guess, say support system would be? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of support system, it's, I mean, writing, you're kind of by yourself. If you're going to commit to that, you are sitting by yourself, no distractions, what's going on. But you you get so close and involved in it, you absolutely cannot do it without support and without help. And so luckily, I found Katie McCoach. Um, she's actually out of L.A. in California. 
and she is absolutely incredible. She, she uh, took my story and she didn't do anything that like, Hey, I'm taking control of it. I'm going to change this because, because this is what I want going to happen. But rather she would talk through things with me. And so if you're writing a book, whatever stage or process you're in, and if you want some help or when you get that draft done and you're like, what's the next step? Go to Katie McCoach. I think that's actually her last name, but you can just say she's like the writing <laughs> coach, whatever's going on. But so she helped really connect me with a lot of people. I mean, I recruit during the day. That's my thing, the whole networking side. And so I really put a lot of faith and trust into her. And I am so thankful that she did. But before I even enlisted her help, I reached out to a lot of people that I had you know, confidence in that would give me honest and true feedback. And so there's a group of people that I reached out to, you know, both my parents, Sean, Amanda, um, Sam, and, oh my God, and Kathleen. Sorry, Kathleen. <laughs> there's always and, that one person like, oh my God, they're going to kill me. I got to get the name right, guys. <laughs> it's over. Um, no, so I sent it to all of them. And the version that I sent them, it was before I even sent it over to Katie. And I just cringed to think how bad it was. But they, you know, took and sat and sat down and they wrote so many notes and they were honest. Um, Kathleen, to kind of go back up there, she told me, hey, this one character is so evil, I expected him to start twisting his mustache. <laughs> and that's what she told me. And I was like, oh, God, holy shit. Um, I need to change that. I got to fix that. But everybody just gave me, you know, that feedback. And so I was able to just grow the story so much more. So, you know, if you were to ask me what makes a good writer, it is a good editor. And I couldn't recommend uh, Katie McCoach anymore. So if you want to get a hold of her, you know, reach out to her directly or feel free to reach out to me and I'll make that connection. But she's absolutely incredible. That's amazing. That is awesome. 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 Great stuff, Robin. Um, and I Should think, we think I think to awesome or like what's what's going on. <laughs> That's the theme right now. We're just going off awesome and running. Yes. Do you think awesome Berkstresser would sell more books? <laughs> you would definitely get more notice. That would that would make me stop and look at an author's name. I think it would make you feel good when people would just call your name like, "Hey, awesome!" So you just lighten up <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Um. How quickly can I get that changed? Is it too late to change the name on the book cover? <laughs> uh, you can get a printer and some some uh, some paper with a with a permanent marker. We can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just have hey, everybody. Just give me your Kindles. I'll write on the screen. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's all you do. Oh man. Hey, Robin. Um, you've been such an amazing guest, and we really appreciate <laughs> your time. Uh, I know you got some wine to finish drinking. That's so. true. <laughs> no excuses. No excuses. Full no excuses. You better finish that <laughs> bottle. <laughs> but we appreciate you being our very first guest, and uh, we really hope that your writing career shoots shoots off based on you being on this podcast. Because you know we have so much reach <laughs> and so much people to reach out to. So, and he says that non sarcastically. Yeah, too, yeah. By the way. So this, this is straight real. Yes. <laughs> Y'all are a hoot. Thank you so much for having me on this and thinking about me. Um, it's it's pretty neat that y'all would even want to have me talk. Hopefully it's what you're expecting. You know, at the very least, I hope it's not worst case scenario for you. But yeah, I mean, I think what y'all have going is a pretty neat idea. I mean, a lot of people, like you said, they're, you know, they kind of graduate and they're like, what's else? Well, I guess I better get a job. Like I need to make money. 
And people keep putting off their passions and what they want to do for tomorrow. But stop that. You know, <laughs> no, no excuses. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is so funny. Wow. We are, like my co has said, excited, rooting for you. Wefley, definitely when the second book comes out, yes, we want to get you back on and talk more about that. And I'm glad that we have this positive, ongoing relationship because <laughs> you're part of family now. You're our first guest. So, you know, that's, that's royalty. You, yeah, you can come to the cookout. You can come to the cookout. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I've never been anybody's first before. <laughs> okay. Take that how you want to, America. I think that's a, I think that's a great way to end it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> anyway, book two I'm targeting at the end of this year, and then book three I want to do March or April of 2017 because I want to have this entire trilogy, and I want to have published three books by 25, and I turn 25 May 14th, 2017. So we'll get some podcasts for you. Oh, and I'll awesome. keep doing hashtag no excuses and supporting the wineries across the world. <laughs> it's good for the economy. <laughs> it is. This is oh, a big man. movement. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Robin. We appreciate everything. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Well, there you have it. That's our first episode, man. I, I think it went well. How do you think it went, man? I think it went oh, <laughs> uncontrollable chaos, but I love it. I think we got so much in there that we were not even expecting. And viewers, listeners, I hope you were really paying attention because there was a lot of gems she dropped right there. Just a lot. Yeah. Uh, she definitely laid out the framework of just doing it. No excuses. Very sure. Very sure. Very sure. But anyways, as always... We want to give you find people how you can reach us. Give us feedback. Let us know how the show was. You can get us at Twitter at educated underscore hustle. We also have a Snapchat that is educated hustle all together. You can also reach us on Instagram at educated hustle podcast. And you can email us at educated hustle podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educated hustle podcast at gmail.com. Nice, man. That's a a mouthful, man. But as we close, you got anything else you want to tell the people, man? Sure. You already know, man. I think we good for the day, bro. All right. That's good. Signing out. Let's get it.